Welcome to episode eight of the Comfort in the Workplace podcast. Today, I want to discuss making the transition from an individual contributor or a project manager to a leader. Well, your employer saw a promise in you and wanted to give you an opportunity, but it's important to know that what made you successful before is not going to necessarily make you successful as a leader. So I wanted to cover three points that may help you with your transition. One is stewardship. Two, I wanted to share with you what I did to make the transition. And lastly, I wanted to cover boredom and how, as a new leader, you might find times where um, you, you are sinking into, into boredom and what should you do about it. So I'm sure I'm going to start to sound like a broken record, but stewardship is so important to your leadership. It's, it's important for me to, to cover it as many times as possible. I believe that is the single most important piece to your leadership and approaching your leadership with stewardship. It's going to be rewarding for you and it's going to be appreciated by your team. So I encourage you to watch my Leading Beyond YouTube video. As a new leader, it's going to be a hard adjustment and I think the, the Leading Beyond video will help you quite a bit. It's got some good, good tips in there. So check it out on my YouTube channel. And so just remember, you made a name for yourself by being able to deliver, whether it was as an individual contributor or as a project manager or as a supervisor, um, you, you made a name for yourself. You were able to, to deliver. You were in the detail and you knew your subject area as well as, as anyone. So I'm not telling you to throw that away, but I, I do want you to make some, some adjustments. And look, I get it. I went from a project manager to, to management, you know, I was the one, you know, getting the project across the finish line. You know, I prided myself on knowing all of the detail. I, I was right in the middle of it. I was right there with 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 the, with the project team. Um, I could I could I could I could hop in and play any of those roles if I if I needed to. Um, when I talked to stakeholders of the project, I had all of the detail handled. I was right in the middle of all of it. So you know, I I I get it. And so stewardship does not mean hands off. Um, but it, but it does it does mean that you need to remove micromanagement because now you are a leader and and so you have to have a good understanding and you have to know when to ask questions and you've got to be able to jump in when when there's an issue but you also need you to let your team execute and you need to let your team be the ones that 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 are driving so for me I hate status you know I don't go into that level of detail with my team at all. Um, of course, I need to know where things are, but I am much more focused on what are the issues, what are the risks, and what are the what are the obstacles. You know, I'm there to support the team. That's that's stewardship. I help them with priorities, and I'm going to be the one that makes the tough decisions that might not be popular. So I'm going to be the out, out in front of those, tackling the obstacles, making sure that I'm paving the road for for my team to be able to be able to execute. A lot of my focus is on how we use our capacity and how we go about our work. So the, the, the culture, much more so than the actual work product. You know, I rarely review work product unless um, the, the team needs my sign off or if it's a way to give my team um, a, chance to, a chance to present. And so the focus on, on stewardship, it frees you up to be able to um, think more strategically about the team to look at the road ahead, get ten steps get ten steps ahead, and at the same time, by by uh, being there to support your team, you're helping them with their development, and you're giving them a chance to be the ones who are making a name for themselves, 
just like you did. And that's why you were promoted. And so give them that opportunity as well. And so I, I want to make sure that you understand that there is a transition here. Um, and, you know, you need, do need to make some, some adjustments, but they're going to pay off you um, and they're going to pay off your team because being able to develop leaders makes you into even more of a uh, recognized leader as well. So I, I remember my first leadership role. And remember, I moved from being a project manager to a lead. So I was used to solving every problem, knocking down those risks, lining up resources. And when I took uh, my first leadership role, yeah, of course, I took a similar approach with my new team. Um, so that's what made me successful before. And so that's what I was going to do. But now it wasn't just one project. It wasn't just one project team. It was a, it was a larger team. And so I became absolutely inundated with, with emails. I could not keep up with emails, staying up, um, up late, up early, I'm trying to get through the meetings, trying to get through my emails. I was triple booked in my calendar. My office door became a revolving door. And so I constantly had people in my office from my team expecting me to solve the problems because that's the, the expectation that, that I set up front. And then it got to a point where I was even fielding personal issues. And now these aren't personal issues, meaning outside of work. These are personality issues in between, in between um, team members. And, and so it, it, got, it got pretty ridiculous. I had to put a stop to it. Um, so I was just driving myself crazy. So I removed myself from distribution lists. I asked not to be copied on certain, on certain emails. And there was a number of standing meetings that I um, disinvited myself to or, or um, declined. So I started telling my team that it was, it was part of their job to figure it out. They couldn't just come to me with, with problems. You know, they were senior enough. These weren't junior team members that needed um, daily, daily guidance and daily direction. They were senior enough to figure it out. And so I, I stopped fielding the personality issues. I also said, um, you know, and I, and I wasn't uh, avoiding issues. Um, if it was an HR type, I would always ask, is this an HR type of an issue? And of course, if, if they thought it was, I was going to address those, those directly, absolutely. Um, if, if there was issues that flew in the face of, of culture, um, I was going to, I mean, culture is key to me. So I knew that was key to success and I was going to, I was going to address those directly as well. But I'd also stress that, you know, part of your job is to be able to work well with others. And there's always going to be those difficult personalities or personalities that you clash with. Um, and so it's important that, you know, I started putting the, the onus on them in, to, to do, to do their, their jobs. And, and so it's, you know, maybe it sounds like I was stepping away a little too much and I was throwing my hands up, but I didn't. Um, what, what I, I was very deliberate about it. And we talked about empowerment. And we talked about empowerment being a new contract. So it's not a free-for-all. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're not in this hierarchical environment, um, command and control environment. So empowerment wasn't a free-for-all. It wasn't that you could go do what you want when you want. It was a new contract. And part of that new contract, um, we implemented certain topics or concepts from Comfort in the Workplace. And so transparency. Transparency was absolutely critical to me. There had to be transparency in decision-making. In decisions that I made, in, there needed to be that communication with the team. And I needed to understand the decisions that were being made when I wasn't in all of the meetings or on copy with all of the emails. 
And so we did make sure that we had monthly staff meetings for my direct reports. And then we had a monthly, right after that, a monthly full staff meeting um, with, the, with the full team. And so that was a way for us to establish that transparency and making sure that we were at least meeting on a monthly basis. One of the other things was um, because we wanted this empowerment, the empowerment wasn't just with the team and me, it was with the team and, the, and each other. And so we had to have healthy collaboration. So we established um, a virtual bulletin board and there were reviews of that bulletin board on a weekly basis. And, and believe me, at first, um, the team felt like, okay, we got these monthly meetings, we got these weekly meetings, too many meetings. Um, but in fact, they, they did see that by having those meetings, it meant that they were able to decline other meetings that they were just sitting in on just to get information or um, you know, maybe they didn't trust that the right things were happening. And so they were attending too many meetings that they uh, already. And so this adding these few meetings actually meant that they had to attend less meetings. Um, and so this, this worked out really, really well. And then um, the, the other item, which actually I should have said that one up front, because this was probably the most important, was the core workout. And that core workout helped establish roles and responsibilities, not just of the team members, but of me. You know, what was my role and responsibility to the team as a leader? And, and this is where um, I started really taking on the concepts of, of stewardship. And, and so um, really, really important to have that core workout out there. And that set the groundwork for, um, for all of the other, the other pieces around, around empowerment. And so, like I said, there was a little bit of pushback or quite a bit of pushback up front. Um, but I, I stood strong. And, you know, I ultimately, I, I said, as part of my, my role is to set up a framework so that the team could reach their potential. Um, and this was part of it. This was the framework that I, I believed in. Um, and so this helped create that culture. And believe it or not, many from that team still reminisce with me about how much they appreciated working in that kind of culture and how much they grew and how much how, how rewarding it was to, um, to work in, in, in that culture. And I had one, one person just came up to me recently and they're close to retirement age. And they said that that was, that was the most rewarding time of their career. A long career, right? So um, it, it is. It is very, very powerful to have that kind of that kind of structure in place. Okay, so the team wound up loving it, but but what what about what about me? And so I put all of this in, and I took myself out of all of these um, emails and meetings. And and remember, I got value, so much value, so much reward out of being that project manager, being the one that was driving, and you know, kind of the the, the hero role. And so now I've removed myself from that. And so I'm not going to lie. At first, I was I was bored. <laughs> I was really bored. I remember sitting in my office, and and I'm thinking, I got I got nothing to do. And of course, I had things to do, and there were emails, and there was administrative work that I had to do, and I had my own meetings that I had to attend. Um, but it was so different than when I was a project manager and literally running from meeting to meeting and issue to issue, and and this intense sense of urgency around around deadlines. Um, so. I, 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 I am now in this business as usual team where it's not quite as intense um, as that. And now I got this empowerment framework. And so um, it wasn't taking up that much time. And I started feeling guilty. You know, my team was working really hard. And I'm in my office knowing that I'm, I'm half bored. But I, I talked to a mentor and I was open and honest. Um, and I got some really good guidance for that, from that um, mentor. But one thing I would say, and it's an important piece of advice that I'll give is that when you are bored or you feel like you have some capacity, you know, you, you, you have, there's a tendency to hold that in, you know, and you hesitate to share it. 
Um, and, you know, you think that, okay, if I say that I have capacity, maybe then um, I'll lose my job or, you know, maybe then someone will ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Um, and so you're going to hold that in and you're going to wait until you fill in that capacity. I don't do that. I don't take that approach. And I didn't take it then. And I still don't do it now. I'm always trying to find ways to add value. And so I'm always open with, with it. And, and it has never, it's never done, done me wrong. And what I would say is that when you're searching for ways to fill in your capacity, that also is part of leading beyond. And it opens up um, opportunities for your team as you take, as you take on um, some new, new pieces. And yeah, sometimes you get yourself involved in some, some tedious work, so you do have to be um, careful. Um, but I strongly ad advise to um, really be open about that and try to add value any way, any way you could. And so my mentor's advice started shaping my thinking about leading beyond. And, and um, she told me to get out from the team boundaries, start building relationships, you know, look 30 steps ahead, knock down those obstacles for the, for the team. So the project manager, you're knocking down the next obstacle. But as a leader, you're looking 30 steps ahead and you're helping those project managers before they even get to the next issue. And you're building those relationships. And, and it's funny, six or seven years later, I mentored someone who stepped into their first leadership role. And I remember going to their office after a few months or so to, to, to check in. And I startled her when I knocked on the door um, so I went in and closed the door. I saw that she was a little bit, you know, taken by surprise. And so I asked, uh, you know, I just with a smirk on my face, I said, uh, you know, so you bored? <laughs> and she let out a breath and she was like, oh, really? She's like, yes, I feel so guilty. And I said, don't feel guilty. You know, you're doing right by your team. You know, you're letting them grow. You're letting them be the ones that are driving. But at the same time, don't get complacent. You know, get out there, lead beyond. So I gave the same advice. And so I'm giving the same advice to you. If you're a new leader, if you are bored, don't feel guilty, but fill in the free capacity by leading beyond. Find ways to add value, not just for you, but for your team. If you're a leader and you're swamped, challenge yourself. Are you still in the day-to-day? -day? Are you delegating and sharing new opportunities with your team? And so you know, I know that there's always situations where um, you're gonna be busy as a leader, um, and you're going to be meeting the meeting or this situational, but I'm talking about on a consistent basis. If you're swamped and you just can't even breathe, you've, you, really, you really have to challenge whether you're, you've got the right framework in place. Do you have the right direct reports? Are you delegating appropriately? Are your direct reports delegating so that they're freeing up capacity so that you don't feel bad to give them some, um, some, some more? You know, maybe they're afraid to tell you that they're bored. And so challenge them. So I know there's tremendous demands, but if you don't have the time as a leader to lead beyond, I'd argue that you're not being a true leader for your team. So just please just give that some, some thought. And please join me in creating comfort in the workplace by respecting team members and demanding excellence.